What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 184 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it is my honor to be on this journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the spaces and places that God has put us. And I love the spaces and places. This last month, gosh, we've heard from Pastor Joby Martin. We've heard from John Gordon. We've heard from Preston Poor. We've heard from Kelly Wells and Steve Cust and Horst Schultze. And it has been so good. And what I love about it is all those leaders are in different spaces and places, but they're all leading with the same heart for Jesus. And our prayer is no matter what you do for a living, that why you do what you do for a living will be paramount and will actually be the game-changing piece. Boy, I'm so excited you're with us today. If you enjoy this podcast and you're an avid listener or somebody forwarded it to you and you've started downloading other ones and you have to look them up each time, man, if you do me a favor, go ahead and subscribe. That way you never miss a new episode. We are turning out some great ones this fall on Lynch with a Leader. Boy, it's going to be so, so good. And if you've enjoyed these Man, if you could leave a rating or review on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen, it help, it truly does help us get other people into the system of spiritual leadership and helping them be who God created them to be. We'll sit today. We sit get to sit down with John Houston from John Houston Homes. In 2004, John and Tracy started a home-building business with a mission to reach people for Christ and give to the kingdom. Beginning with just a handful of employees, now over 20 years later, they have over 100 team members. They're ranked among the top builders in the United States and are making a difference now in their company because they have a couple different facets of their company. But John's story is amazing. And I think you're going to love it. I love that here's a guy who God radically changed his life and it changed how he leads. So I don't know where you're listening from today, but I want you to do me a favor and I want you to pull up your chair and I want you to listen in to my conversation with John Houston. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you. Man, I'm blessed and honored and excited to be here. Well, we are glad we got a pretty day. Last time we were trying to connect, you guys got iced in, and you got you got a little spring ice storm, didn't you? We did, man. It was totally unexpected. Yeah, we we were supposed to to do this then, and and God surprised us with a, a different approach that we didn't have an opportunity to even get to the office. That's how how icy it was. That, that's not that normal for. Texas. I mean, I grew up in Texas, been here my whole life. And uh, so we get maybe one of those a year and we just happen to get it that day. 
That's so funny. You know, it's funny when, when surprises come along. If I had told you when you were a little boy growing up, you would be doing what you're doing today, would that have been a surprise for you? Man, that would have been a huge surprise. <laughs> yeah. What did you think? Yeah, Where did you nobody. think you were headed in life? You know, whenever I, whenever I was 11 and my brother was 15, our parents left us. Um, had grown up at home and never seen my parents fight, really. And then all of a sudden, we went on a family vacation, came home. And that weekend is when they told us they were getting a divorce and, and it really kind of rocked our world. And so because I was 11 and he was 15, we didn't really have much of an option, but we had to figure out how to get in business. So if you would ask me when I was 11, I would have had no idea. Ask me by the time I was 18 or 19, I would have been like, yeah, I can do this. Um, and But that journey of us having to basically kind of learn to raise ourselves did two great things um, for me. One, it, it my parents had taught us great work ethic, so we had to have great work ethic. And then the other thing that it had taught us was how to actually put a business plan together and actually execute it. The negative thing that it did, though, was it actually created this self-perseverance um, type attitude that I had of, you know, me thinking I could go accomplish the world by myself and had no idea that God was actually in the midst of of everything that was going on in my life. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought that I'm I'm where I'm at today. If you hadn't have gone through a time that you would have never chosen, even today, you wouldn't want to go back and choose that. What about that process if it had not been different and nothing happened like it did? What do you think would be different about your story now? Man, I've never actually thought about that. Um, Honestly, you know, growing up, one of the questions that I get asked frequently was, you know, because our parents left us um, because we were having to live by ourselves. Uh, and I honestly, I lived from 11 till I was 21, basically by myself or with my brother. And so I, I really had never experienced family, never saw really what a dad looked like, never saw what a mom looked like, a husband or wife, didn't really even know what it looked like to be a child. Um and, and looking back on that and being asked that question, you know, I really don't know the answer, but what I do know is I wouldn't want to change mm. what God allowed me to go through. I don't think this was God's plan for our life. Um, but man, the having to walk through it, um, and I wouldn't even say I was, I wasn't a, I, I had accepted Jesus, but I wouldn't say I had a personal relationship with Jesus for all those years. And I had no idea uh, that he was with me that he was guiding us. He was taking care of us. He was our provider. Um, so honestly, I think that's probably why I've never really thought about that question much is because, man, I feel like, you know, through some of the things, through my mom's suicide, through my brother-in-law's suicide, through the way we grew up, through filing bankruptcy, man, I feel like that I've gotten to know God in a way that maybe a lot of people don't get to know God. Um, now, I'm not saying I want people to have to go through those things to get to know him that way. But, but man, I wouldn't change it either because it's it, I think it's changed the whole trajectory of my life. Mm. Um, and and I realize, you know, in, in Corinthians, it talks about I love the message version. It, it literally says that God is writing a story with our lives, not chiseled into stone, but written by his spirit. And it's up to us to publish it. And the sad part is, you know, I'm 51 now, and I don't think that really hit me until I was in my mid-40s. 
of understanding, you know what, this crazy chaotic life that I grew up in that really at the time seemed normal to me, wasn't normal at all, but yet God has used it for good and turned it into a story that he actually is writing with my life. And uh, so I, I kind of quit looking at it on a negative and started looking at it on a positive to go, and God, what can I learn through this process um, so that not only can can I be transformed in the way I think, but my heart can change, which will then change the way that I live in every every area of my life, you know, from a man of God to a, a husband to a father to a leader. Um, and it, it's just kind of changed everything. So long answer to your short question, but that's the only way I know how to answer it. That, that's a great answer, though. And to read Romans 8.28, to live Romans 8.28 are two different things. And living it out and knowing God is the master of bringing good out of bad. I, I know I heard Joni Erickson Tata and somebody else's podcast one time say, pain can introduce us to a Jesus we would have never known. Yep. And you so got to meet Jesus through that pain. I go back in your story and just in my research and as I was reading your book, at an early age, lawnmowers became a big part of your journey. What did, did. What, what did lawnmowers provide you that you look back on and go, man, that was a game changer for me? Yeah, you know, when, when we were, uh, you know, my brother was 15 and in Texas back then you could get a hardship. So that's how he actually could drive. Um, and so we started a landscaping company. He did really. And I, I really worked for him and that's how we actually provided for ourselves. And so he would, he would, we would get up before dark. Uh, I mean, before daylight, load the the trailer up in the truck and we would, we would head out. And as soon as it was daylight, we could see enough to mow. We would start mowing yards. We would mow yards till school started and he would drop me off at school and then he would go to school. He would pick me up after school. And then we would mow yards until dark. Um, and then we would mow yards on Saturdays and Sundays. We did that for years. Um, and, and what's crazy is I really didn't even realize that that was not really normal um, just because it had, it had just become a way of life. And I, I, I think about that and I think about how God used that season of our life of, of living in chaos and in, in a chaotic um, environment Um mowing yards at 11, you know, going to school and then getting off. And, and I look at that and I'm like, sometimes we don't know mm -mm. that the way we're living is wrong. Sometimes we don't know that the life that we're actually living is, is chaotic and not normal. And I, and I think that's what it's really done for me the most is to go, you know, if I, if I can continue to allow the Holy spirit to unwrap the story that he's writing with my life, and help me to learn what can I learn from it. And then I can share that hope that's within me to others. Um, so really that's the primary reason why we even wrote the book was, was the, the story of Joshua when Joshua says, Hey man, stack up the stones and stack the stones up. So you don't forget where you came from and that you can tell the generations, you know, where you came from. And that's really the, the goal of the book is that when people read the book, my hope is, is that through, me really trying to be transparent and real with people, they can reflect back on their own life and potentially see God in the midst of whatever way they grew up, whether it was chaotic or whether it was a great family life or whatever your life looked like, God was right in the middle of it. And so whether it was mowing yards or, or whether it wasn't, um, God's uniquely written your story. 
um, and he's got a purpose. So the the lawn mowing was a, an interesting season for us that I just continue to see that God has just used over and over again, because really it's in those seasons that I actually learned how to start businesses That's and right. how to run businesses. And um, God ended up using those in an incredible way to allow us to reach people for Christ and give the kingdom. You know, it's so funny too. I wonder even now as you have crews and we'll get into your company here shortly, you're going to walk by a lot of young men that are working on your crews that you probably look at them very differently than you would have if you hadn't have been one of them one day starting out trying to make, trying to make some ends meet. Do, do you feel like your story helps you connect with other people's stories a lot better? Yeah, I actually think it really does. Um, I think, um, you know, I, I remember when I was our son, for example, which is also in the book, you know, when when he was he was probably about 15 and he started dabbling in different things that maybe he shouldn't have been dabbling in that as uh, as Christ followers, we're not crazy about. And I remember um, being really good about telling him what he shouldn't do. Like I, I knew the list of Romans chapter one yeah. and the different different passages that we all know about the way we shouldn't live. But I think because of the way I grew up, the one thing that I was missing was God's love. Mm. Um, And so I was really good about telling my wife and my kids and the people that worked for me in our trades. And um, I was really good about telling them what they shouldn't do, but I wasn't very good about letting them see the love of Jesus. Mm. Um, And then through the love of Jesus, letting the Holy Spirit do the work and and correct them. And so I look at that and, 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 you know, I walk job sites today um, and I see these young men, you know, and, and honestly, most of the time my heart goes out to them more because, you know, they have a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but how many of them know, really have known or tasted or experienced the love of Jesus? And I and I look at that as that, you know, our one of our uh, visions here is, you know, for years and years, I said, hey, we're in business to reach people of Christ and give to the kingdom. And it's still why that's our purpose. But the question then became, you know, that we kept getting asked is how do we do that? And what what we really found was, is that um, I think we overcomplicated as Christians of how do we take that into our marketplace? How do we take that to our kids? How do we take that to our wives or our spouses? And really, it's it's God's really just really been correcting my heart over the years. And he says, really, your purpose is to help people find their way home. That's with an eternal age. Uh, or capital H, which is for eternal, but you do it by being a joyful, hope-filled, loving guide. Um, And so God had to take me through this whole process of really him teaching me and me having to pray, God, teach me your love because I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Like I've never experienced that kind of love. And so I'm 51 years old, been following Jesus, you know, wholeheartedly for over 30 years. And I still pray that prayer almost every day. Um, because virtually every day in my prayer journal, God continues to tell me, son, I love you. I love you. I love you. Mm. Those are the three things I want you to remember today when you leave my, when you leave this prayer time. Um, and a few years ago, I was like, God, why do you keep telling me the same thing over and over again at the beginning of every day when I'm getting ready to write down what I feel like you're laying on my heart? And he said, son, it's because you still don't get it. Mm. And I'm going to keep telling you until you do. And so my hope for those guys that work for us and and even ladies that work for us, you know, is that 
you know, even through the work that they do, if I can share the hope that is within me, teaching them and training them um, to do work with excellence, you know, to go do the second mile service, to do the things that we've got to do, but also doing it with love and gentleness um, in a way that they just know there's something different about us. Um, then it really motivates me because I really think even in the church world, and when I say the church world, you know, I believe we're all part of the church. But I think sometimes even when we're in a church building, you know, I think sometimes we just assume people know a lot about a, a lot about Christ and that they're all walking in Jesus's love. Um, and, I, and I just don't think that's the case. You know, I know how long it's taken me to even begin to understand God's love. And um, um and so that's really my heart, man, is, is if we can just lead with love, um, it doesn't mean you let people get away with stuff. I'm not saying don't discipline people. You still discipline them because that is tough love. You know, there's both sides of that. And uh, um, so anyway, when I walk past those guys, man, my heart just goes out to them because they might have grown up like me without a dad that, you know, wasn't there to let them see what it, what a father's love looks like, you know. You know, and it. And we look back in the rearview mirror, so I'm just a little ahead of you in the journey, a couple of years. We look back, and I've got more in the rearview mirror than we used to. <laughs> there, yep. There's becoming a lot back there. God intersects your life with the right people at the right time. God God knew what you needed, and he intersected you with the Millers that yep. believed in you and invited you to live in their home. When they did that, what did that mean to you? Did you understand when that was going on, what they were actually doing? Yeah, 100%. I can tell you I didn't. Um, you know, that was um, the Millers were my, what ended up being my my in-laws now. Um, that was, you know, 31 and a half years ago, probably. And they asked me to uh, move in with them. And I was dating their um, 16 year old daughter, which, you know, how weird that would be. I mean, if my daughter, my daughter asked me one time if I'd let her get married at like 18 and I was like, heck no. And she's like, well, mom got married at 17. And I was like, this is a different day, baby. That's exactly right. That's exactly, I use that. Thank God I didn't have to deal with that, but Hey, it's real. Um, but I look back at that and I'm like, you know, one back in those days, that was not normal whatsoever. No. Um, and I had no idea that, that God was using that time and their faithful obedience um, to teach me in a real life setting, what it looked like to be a father, what it looked like to be a mother, what it looked like to be a daughter, what it looked like to be a son. Um, and it radically changed my life, you know, uh, because I had never seen that before. And it was weird to me. Um, and I remember the one story that I'll just share quickly my father-in-law had called, he wasn't my father-in-law at the time and I was living with him and he called my, uh, who's now my mother-in-law Sue. And he, and he said, Hey, I'm gonna have to work late, you know, so I won't be home for dinner, but I'll be there in a little while. And I remember looking at her and I said, Sue, like, dude, are you not going to go check on him or something? I promise you he's cheating on you. Like, and I was hundred percent dead serious, but I had never seen a faithful relationship at that mm, point. Mm. And I remember it wasn't even about what she said in her response. It was the pain in her eyes of what I said and how it impacted her heart, that her heart was broken for me, that how did I think that, that was normal? Mm. How did, is that where my mind went? And so I don't even remember what she said at that moment, 
but I remember the Holy Spirit. And I was really just really learning to follow the Lord, really get hold of my heart and go, son, you know, the way you're thinking is not right. And, and so it's little situations like that, that her just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and her actually caring about me. Um, I, I say those are the moments that change our lives. Sometimes it's it's not what we say. It's, it's right. are we there? Are we living life with people and are we loving them where they're at? Um, and that's what they did. It changed me forever. You and Tracy ended up getting married and went to Bible college. What are the things you that the Lord really began to do in your life when you went away to school and really began to dig into the Bible to see what was all in there? Yeah, you know, um, that's a good question. So I had I had heard a lot about Jesus my whole life, um, but I, I, I think I didn't really know him. Um, as a person. Mm. And so the more I began to really dig into the word, um, because we had to, honestly, I had to take, I had to get an associates in Bible at the Bible college I went to. So that's actually how that happened. And, and, you know, we would, we had to go, go to chapels, um, during the week. And I remember I would go to these chapels, man, and I would hear the, the, the speakers say, Hey, just go pray and ask God and do whatever God tells you to do. And, and I would take that back to the, this little duplex we had and get in my little room and shut the door. And, and I would pray and I'd be like, I'd ask God questions. And, and I just didn't feel like I heard anything. And man, I, for a year and a half, I just really wrestled with, with God because I was like, man, maybe the way, you know, the sin I had lived in the family I grew up in the dysfunction, you know, maybe I'm just not holy enough. Um, and, and this just isn't, you know, God's not going to speak to me. And I remember a, um, a speaker couldn't even tell you who it is, but a speaker came and he was about to start speaking and he stopped and he said, you know what? I really feel like the Holy Spirit's going to lead me in a different direction. And, uh, um, and he said, I don't do this very often, but he said, I, I feel like God is telling me just to keep it simple. Mm. And he, he literally said, let me, I want to, I want to share with you how to actually learn to hear the voice of God, wow. you know, because John 10, 10 or John chapter 10 talks a lot about the sheep will hear my voice and follow me. Well, if we're going to hear his voice and to the point where we can follow him, then we have to learn how do we recognize it? And, um, and so, you know, he said, keep it really simple. You got to, it starts with studying the word of God, not just reading it, but studying it, understanding, let it get into your mind to let it get into your heart um, to where, when things come up, you can actually, you know, go back to them. And so I, I really started doing that. And then he said, he said, now what I want you to do is after you've studied the word of God, just pray and talk to God, just like you would talk to anybody else. And then ask him questions. And when you ask him a question, write down whatever comes to your mind. And he said, don't write a sentence and then go, well, is that God or is that me? He just said, write everything you can think, everything that's coming to your mind or your heart. And then after you finish writing it all, go, go line by line and just see if it lines up with the word of God. And if you don't know if it lines up with the word of God, ask somebody like a spirit led wise counselor, somebody that knows the Bible better than you and, and look it up together so you can learn how to do it. And I, and I started doing that. And when I first started doing that, I probably had out of a whole page, I probably had two sentences that I could find that lined up with the word of God, but it started intriguing me to go, wait, was that actually God? And then the more I got into the word and the more time I spent in prayer, then instead of two sentences, it went to four, three months later, it was six sentences. 
three years later, it was a paragraph. And what I began to recognize was really what he was teaching us to do was, is that God through studying the word of God can put us in these scenarios that he brings the, the scripture to our remembrance. And then we can recognize it to begin to, to know what are we supposed to do? How do we handle this situation? And I would say, you know, there was a lot that the, that the school did for me, but that radically changed the entire trajectory of my life because now I incorporate that in every area of my life, you know? And so literally when we got ready to start our first business, man, it was because, you know, I had lost everything. God took me on a journey uh, because of our upbringing, I had gotten really good at making money, but I was making money to build my kingdom. Mm. God took us through a seven year period. My wife and I, where we lost everything and had to file bankruptcy. He did. He, taught me that through King Nebuchadnezzar, the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, son, when are you going to learn? That's you. Mm. You're looking over your kingdom thinking, look at what I've done. And that's why I'm having to take it away from you because your perspective is off. When I understood that and I repented to the Lord and I asked God to forgive me for doing that, it, it was about three months later is when God actually spoke to me and said, hey, son, I want you to start a home building business to reach people for Christ and give to the kingdom two reasons. He never said sell a house, just simply reach people for Christ and give to the kingdom. And, uh, and those are the kind of moments that change our life. So then if I'm going to start a business for the kingdom to reach people for Christ and give to the kingdom, part of my business plan is how am I going to do that in the process? I've got to incorporate Christ into the process so that I see, Oh, you know what? And for every one home I sell, there's about 60 touch points that actually happen in that process. You know, there's 10 prospects, about 10 people that we come in contact with for every one contract we get. But if God told me to, to reach people for Christ and not sell houses, aren't all 10 of those people just as important? Wow. They are. Well, then there's roughly 42 people that it takes to build the house. That's, you know, framers, plumbers, um, title companies, I mean, uh, um, electricians, all those people that are part of the process. Now, I'm only counting one plumber and one framer, but we all know if you go to a job site, you're not going to see one framer, I hope. Well, there's 42 opportunities there, and there's approximately eight with title companies and surveyors for the final and mortgage companies and all that. So we have 60 touch points for every one house we build. So if we build 500 houses in a year, that's 30,000 opportunities I have to share the love of Jesus and 500 opportunities that are pro pro producing income for me to give tithe and offering off of. And it's radically changed my whole life because that's purpose. That's Man, right. that's what gets me out of bed every day. Um, that's what motivates me that what if, what if one person we impact comes to Jesus for eternity? Is it worth it? Um, and Mike, the crazy part is, you know, years ago, I felt like God asked me that question. He put me in this job that I didn't like. I didn't want to be there. And God asked me that question. He said, son, are you willing to do this job for five years and not like it for one person to come to know me as their Lord and Savior? And, and my honest answer to God was, heck no. Mm. And God was like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to get you to understand is we have a heart issue here. And God took me through this process of softening my heart towards people and understanding that whether it's our family, whether it's our business, 
whether it's the service that we provide to the church, all of those are avenues for us to impact people for Jesus. And, uh, and are we going to do that? Are we going to maximize it? Um, and that's what gets me out of bed every day. How do you keep that in the forefront? You know, you, you start going and you've got, you've got deadlines to meet. You've got people that need their house. They, you've got, uh, things that are running behind the supply industry has been way behind getting windows and door frames and all that. How do you keep the ultimate mission of why you do what you do and why God called you to do it the way that you do it? Cause I know we have a lot of business leaders go, man, I feel that way every Sunday, but then when Monday morning hits and the clock starts ticking, I forget, what would you say? How do you keep that in the forefront? Yeah, for me, and this is just how I do it. I'm not saying this will work for everybody, but for me, I, you know, I've got to have, I've got to have wise people around me that, are, that love me enough that they're going to call me out. And so for years I wanted that, but didn't have it. So I had to pray for it. I prayed for probably 10 years that God would bring that into my life. And so one of my pastors, uh, Scott Wilson is become my one. Of, he's become pretty much my best friend for 25 years. And he's one of my accountability partners. And, um, and so he's one way, my wife is another way. Um, but my leadership and my staff is another way is that I make it, I'm very intentional with every meeting I go to every strategy planning session we have, it has to, there has to be part of that strategy has to say, how are we going to reach people? And how are we going to give to the kingdom? If we can't reach people for Christ and we can't give to the kingdom in these areas, I don't want to do them. Mm. why are we doing them they're just distractions and so to your point even the supply the supply chain issues you know we're i mean one of our businesses home building i mean we face that big time yep. but how we do that and how we get through that process is i've got to make sure we keep it at the forefront that we're in business to reach people of christ and give the kingdom that means my customer has to know how are we going to do that even in a market like this? So honest, transparent communication is a key that if I know I'm not going to provide your house at the right time, I need to tell you as soon as I know, not at the last minute, right? And I need to clearly articulate to you why. Um, so I believe communication has a key part of it because what it also does for me, Mike, is, is that it, 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 it creates a whole nother, nother level of accountability. If I have 300 employees and I get up in front of all staff and I remind them, which you can legally do. And I say, hey, you know, I'm not saying this from a CEO perspective, but I'm. can I share my heart with you for a minute as John? I've never had one yet that said no, but I give them the opportunity to leave if they want to. I do this every all staff for the last 15 years. And I say, man, I just got to tell you what God's been laying in my heart is. And sometimes it's me going, man, guys, you know what? I haven't led you very well. I've dropped the ball. Um, the mission is to reach people Christ and give to the kingdom. And I want to show you, here's an area I didn't do it well. Um, and, and I confront it and I say, one of the, there's two reasons why I'm doing this is one, I want to bring it to the public. And two, I want you to hold me accountable. Mm. So if I'm telling you, I need to lead with love. If I'm not leading with love, I'm giving every 300 employees in this room, the opportunity to call me out on it. And very rarely do I ever have one call me out on it. I've probably had five or six over the years, but in my heart, I know they, they're paying attention. Um, so I try to create these moments of opportunity where I'm very transparent. I'm very real. 
Um, and I lay it all out on the table to say, this is what I'm really struggling with. Um, now, generally, I've processed that and I know how I'm going to respond to it and what I need to fix so that I'm not sharing it with them while I'm in the midst of my problem, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, I want to get on the other side of it and have processed it and know what is God telling me and what do I need to do to fix it? I need to be down that road before I share it with them. Um, but I try to create those environments around me of accountability. Um, I do that with our, our all of our executive team. They're all accountability partners to me. Um, a, a real life scenario, I'll give you a, a quick real life scenario is, you know, one of the things that I struggle with probably or have struggled with over the years, the most is greed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I bring that to our executive team to this day and I tell them, Hey, you know, God said, reach me for Christ and give to the kingdom. We believe this is how much God told us to give, um, and tithe and offering. So for the majority of our companies, we believe God has told us to give 20%. Um, and so what that means is that rest of that cash isn't mine, you know, the rest of our profits. And, and so what we do is the way we've processed it over the years is now you guys, as an executive team, you go do research and you tell me how much is my job worth in the market. And that's how, how much God wants to pay me to do the work. Everything else is God's. And so it, it, creates these checks and balances around me, but it also makes me stay aware of what are my weaknesses and what are those thorns that are in my flesh that the enemy wants to use to take me down. And and that's one of mine, you know? Yep. So that's that's really good. And I think every leader struggles with that. And, you know, we, we've got, God's got an incredible plan for our lives. We have an enemy that would love to deter that plan and throw you off, whether he can use greed or greed or something else. And you talk a lot in, and you talked in the book and some of the other things I've read about you about stewardship and ownership, that you are a steward of the gifts that God's given you, not the owner of the mm-hmm. gifts. What pressure does that take off you as a leader? To know Man. that it that it's all his anyways. I'm just I, I've just got open hands and I'm trying to steward it. What pressure is that taking off you? Yeah, you know, probably ten years ago, we had seven companies. I don't know how much we were doing. Maybe three hundred million dollars a year in revenue. Um, and man, the way I felt like the weight of the world was on mm-hmm. me. I was having to produce and produce and produce, and then God started dealing with me on this whole ownership versus stewardship piece. And, you know, the word stewardship means managing somebody else's estate. And when God took me through that process, he's like, dude, on paper, you own all this. But in the real world, I own it all. That's right. Right. I created it all. I, you know, Psalms 24, one says the earth and everything, including its people are his. So God took me through this process of I'm not even my own. So it's just not the businesses. It's when I give my life to Jesus, I'm not even my own. And so it's, it's literally me starting with stewarding my life for you, God, what are you telling me to do today? How are you telling me to do it? And then the businesses, God, these are your businesses. What do you want to do with them? It takes all the weight and all the pressure because God, I don't, it's just like the market we're in right now. I mean, the stock market's all over the place. One of our businesses is mortgage company. Why can't you control any of that? So my prayer time looks like this. God, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do today. You're the one that knows the stock market. God, you're going to have to give us the thoughts, the ideas, and the creativity we need to navigate today. Because I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been in a market like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean we don't seek wise counsel and we don't, we don't do our homework. 
but that's the reality is it's learned it's taken all that weight and pressure off because I learned that I don't have to figure it out but I do need to spend time with the Lord and I do need to hear his voice and I do need to be in his word. And so I followed Joshua chapter one, verse eight, that says, study the word of God, meditate on it day and night, do what he says, then you'll be prosperous and successful in all your ways. It's probably my life verse. Um, and to me, that takes the pressure off when I just do what he says, you know, I'm going to study and I'm going to show myself approved and I'm going to follow the best business practice as possible um, unless God tells me to do something different. Mm. That's the philosophy we follow here. And, uh, um, you know, interesting, and I'll make this quick. Interesting, God has taken that to another level. About a year and a half ago or, or uh, two years ago, our uh, chief strategy officer came to us and he said, man, will you guys pray with me? I've got a miracle. I need a miracle. And he said, my, uh, our son, Miles, um, his kidney's failing and he's got about three or four months. Um, but there's a five-year wait for a kidney and we need God to show up. And he said, will you pray with us? Um, and we said, of course. So my wife and I, we, we go home and we, we start praying for him. And she comes to me and she says, hey, God basically was telling me he knows what the solution is. And I was like, yeah, what is that? And she said, I need to give him my kidney. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to need to pray about that too, yep. before we decide to do that. And, you know, I went in my prayer clause and honestly, you know, my wife and I've been married just over 30 years. So it was almost 30 years. And I was wrestling with that going, man, I love Terry and I love his son and I love his family, but God, I don't know what the future holds. Like what if Tracy needs that kidney? What if my kids need that kidney? And, and the Lord took me back to Psalms 24, one. And he said, son, you know, I own the earth and everything in it, including its people. If you're not even your own, doesn't that include your organs? Mm. And he said, so really all Tracy's doing is what I'm asking her to do. And you've got to trust me that I'm going to take care of her and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to take care of your kids. And so obviously I went back to her and said, okay, you know, let's do this. Um, and it's just crazy to me though, that, that when God is at work in our heart, man, it's every area of our life. Um, but I look at that and I'm like, you know, if, if Terry wouldn't have brought that request to us and we couldn't have prayed about it with him, we wouldn't know that side of God. So sometimes those prayer requests we have for other people, God's actually wanting us to be part of it so we can learn from it too, you know? And, uh, and so, and you can incorporate that in your business, your life, um, and, and let it radically change your life. That's what, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm still learning. I don't have it all figured out by any means. Um, but I just, I'm trying to, to just humble myself before the Lord and say, man, God, honestly, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I don't know how to run any of these businesses you've given me. I don't, I don't know how to manage this money. So God, please just you know, help me, send me people that can help me to, you know, the workers that we need to do your work um, and, and show us today what we need, you know, because that's our daily bread and that's what I'm going to live off of. You know, God's using you in a huge way. And you know, we got connected a couple months ago when somebody saw the tagline at our church of helping people find their way home. They're like, you got to meet John yeah. Houston. That's the tagline of his company is home. You know, it's it's so funny because here you are making a mark, making a difference in Texas, 
with your companies. You're changing lots of lives, whether it's a vendor, whether it's an employee, whether it's a new homeowner, whether it's somebody get opening a mortgage or finishing a title, whatever it is, you guys are touching it. But there'll be a day that your story is complete, that this little boy who watched his mom and dad walk out and he and his brother figured it out and began to see the weavings, the, the fingerprints of God through their lives in those early days, you're going to look back and, and your story will be wrapping up. How do you pray that God used you? How do you pray that during your lifetime, when people speak of John Houston 50, 60, 70 years from now, when when you're a name and they're they're talking about that dash on your tombstone, how do you hope people speak about you? And what do you want them to say? Yeah, you know, I get asked that question frequently. And, you know, I even tell my kids this, you know, the last thing I want is for somebody to say, man, look at the great businessman John was. Look at all mm -hmm. the great businesses he grew. Um, if, if that's the answer, then I failed. Um, if the answer is, man, that's a guy who loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength who loved people like Jesus loved him, you know, that really, he wasn't, he wasn't out to try to build the business. He was there to seek first the kingdom of God and, and God's righteousness above all else. And he went and made disciples. And so I know that sounds like a churchy answer, but I've actually been going through a process over the last two years of having to actually answer that very question that you asked. And that is the answer that I really want to walk out is, you know, I believe God's given me a, uh, a mandate to raise up a thousand disciples by 2033 that are making disciples. So it doesn't mean I have to raise up all thousand. It means I might raise up 200 of them that are making 200 of them that are making 200 of them, if that makes sense. Um, because I believe, you know, the, the, the God gave me a vision of, of a harvest field that is ripe and it's ready, but the workers are few. And so as a, as a CEO, as a husband, as a father, that's what God's putting in my heart is, man, I've got to go make disciples in every area of my life. And I need to look at the vehicles. That's the way I look at it is the businesses are simply the vehicle God is using for me to do that. And so how do I do that? I've got to incorporate that in my day to day. You know, if you're in sports, if you're in business, if you're in full-time vocational ministry, that's really what God's called us to do. Just keep it simple. Um, and so for me, if, if that's what people know, they just know I love Jesus. I loved people that I really did try to seek the kingdom of God first, you know, and, and try to live righteous, you know, to the best of my ability, but I made disciples along the way to me, that's going to be pretty successful. Um, definitely not saying I'm there yet. I'm still, it's going to be a work in progress. You know, we won't be complete and perfect until we stand before the Lord. Uh, but if I can keep striving towards that goal, um, that's my goal. I hope you enjoyed that. John, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for showing the power of Jesus in lives, not just to save people, but then to guide them as they lead and letting the power of Jesus do that. Powerful, powerful powerful. What a story. Thank you so much, John. Well, in our next episode, we continue with a great lineup. You get to hear from a new friend, Pastor Brady Boyd. 
Pastor Brady is at a phenomenal church in Colorado Springs called New Life, and they have been making a difference for the Lord for years. And I tell you what you're going to love about Brady. He is just one of those people that when you get to spend a little bit of time with him, you see why God is using him like he's using him. And we dive down deep in what it's about, what his story is about, and what makes him tick. And I tell you what, there were just so many things about it that you just go, golly, that is so good. It's so simple, but it's so good. And I think you are going to really, really enjoy our time with Pastor Brady Boyd from New Life Church. Now, I don't know where you're listening from today, but I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go out and I want you to live for Jesus, lead for Jesus in the spaces and places that he's put you. And let's together love God, love people, and live sin. See you next week on Lynch with a Leader. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.